never have a theme for this show, but if there is a theme to the stories I have for you today, it is our collective need in the United States to grow up. We'll do that and a whole lot more on today's Corey Act show. have a ton to do today on the Corey Truax Show. Consider this. There is a note on my show prep where I have titled the section of the show, This Chick-fil-A Stuff is Weird. So if that's not enough of a teaser for you to stick around for the whole show, I don't know what is. We're literally going to have a segment just called This Chick-fil-A Stuff is Weird. And when I tell you about it, you will agree. We're going to do lots more on the show. I'll give you a preview in just a moment. But first, my name is Corey Truax. We're dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything here on the Corey Truax Show. I am also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets in Greenville, South Carolina, every Sunday morning at 1030. And you are cordially invited to join us, 1030, Sunday mornings at Beachwood Church. And final note on me... I am also the host of South Carolina Connections. It is a podcast from the Palmetto Family Podcast Network. You can find that wherever you listen to my show. That's uh, distributed here by WLFJ 92.9 FM. You can also get it at palmettofamily.org. Now, here's some other things we'll do on the show today. There is a, a a new regulation by the administration regarding drug prices, where I don't like regulation in general, but I certainly see where they're coming from. I want to talk about that tariffs and all the tariff talk of the last week or so has really hurt the stock market and a lot of your 401ks. So I want to talk about tariffs a little bit. But the the first cluster of stories I have for you would fit into that theme of everyone grow up. So I want to share with you first a headline I saw from Reuters that got me really interested. Here is the headline from Reuters. U.S. adults are spending big on video games, playing mostly on smartphones. Well, all right, well, that doesn't surprise me too much. We see the ads all the time. I'm sure you see ads on your social media feeds for things like, I don't remember what these games are called, but uh, like you go to war and you build a city and then there's an attack on your city and you go, it's like the old Sims games. There's also uh, like the old Farmville. It didn't surprise me that there are, uh, what was Candy Crush? Wasn't that a big one for a while? It did not surprise me that there's a lot of time-wasting playing video games on smartphones. But I started reading the story. And get that. Just collect for yourself for a moment and recognize you can actually read stories. You don't have to just read the headline. You can actually read the rest of it, and I highly encourage you to do so. Here's a little bit more of that story from Reuters. The average American video gamer is 33 years old and is spending big on content. They're spending 20% more than a year ago and 85% more than in 2015. So just in that first paragraph, I saw something that I found disheartening. That the average American video game player is my age. I continued to read on and found that there's $43 billion was spent in 2018 on just video games outside the smartphone. So things like, they actually named Call of Duty, which my nephews, by the way, call Call of Duty. They can't get the of out. They always call it Call of Duty, and I always correct them, and they don't like me for it. They actually get quite upset that I correct their 
refusal to enunciate Call of Duty instead of Call of Duty. Anyway, uh, they they name Madden games and the uh, NBA games. And so $43 billion spent in the country on video games, and the average player is 33 years old, and the average player is male. So I, I see this, and I knew it was out there. Like, I, I've talked with, I guess, women my age, and that like single women my age and around my age and, and then younger, that one of the struggles they have found in searching for a partner is the attention men give video games and how much time men are, I, I call them men, but adult males are willing to dedicate to a video game. So I, I want to, I put this in the category of everybody grow up and say to my age range, I mean, I'm in my early 30s. I am 33. I am the average age of the American video game player. Well, maybe uh, one harsh word and then a word of balance. Gentlemen, there is so much better ways to spend your time than on Call of Duty or NBA 2K or Madden or whatever it is you're spending your time on when it comes to the video game world. And what I mean by better things is here you've been given this mandate that God has given you as a human being and as a male a mandate to manage your household. If you're married, to love your life, to love your wife well and lead well, to spend time with your kids well, to dedicate yourselves to the the cultivation of of new ideas and entrepreneurship and leadership and, and civics and in your job and in your community, even in your neighborhood. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, knowing that you have this great commission to tackle, and I'm not even trying to give you a guilt trip, what I'm actually telling you is all of those things would be more fun. Whatever escapism you're finding in the game, if you actually would take on the mantle, the burden of masculinity, take on the mantle and the burden of manhood and adulthood, I I am telling you it's a different kind of fun, but it's fun, guys. It is fun to take on the challenge of being a man. And sometimes you'll fail at it. Sometimes you won't. And it's going to be so much more fulfilling than whatever escape you are getting from your Xbox and your PlayStation. Now, I want to temper this a little bit. Because I haven't played a video game in a long time, but... I, I guess I spent some time on video games into my 20s, maybe even a little bit into my early 30s, but it was specific to this. Uh, the, and so this is that, temp, that tempering I, I wanted to give you, that we all have hobbies that are good, good escapes and they're for entertainment. God does not, uh, does not forbid you from entertainment. That's not the guilt trip I'm giving you. I am giving this guilt trip if you are getting into your hobbies, whatever they are, to the detriment or the neglect of your duties as a man, that's a problem. That's your video games, that can be your hunting habit or your football fandom, whatever your habit is, whatever your entertainment is, yeah, if you're doing that to the detriment or neglect of your duties, then yeah, you got a major problem, you need to grow up and be a man. But, uh, for example, for me, during the week, so Monday through Friday, my rule of thumb is I will not spend... More than an hour a day. I will cut myself off at an hour. Typically, it's less than that. On entertainment. 
Now, granted, I have a long commute every day, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts that I consider to be educational, but also and of spiritual development as well. For a lot of the podcasts I listen to, uh, but uh, and I'm, some some of them are just entertainment. But in any event, uh, maybe you can count that. But when it comes to just straight entertaining, sitting down and watching something on a TV or something like that, I'm going to hold it to an hour a day. That's and it's usually less. I think that's a good rule of thumb for a man, especially with a family. And have and having duties at home, I just you know I, I think through this uh, lesson I learned a long time ago about the word amuse. And so when we're playing when these video games you're playing them, when you are going through your uh, your habit things that you do for entertainment, whatever you're watching on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever, you are you're pursuing your amusement. And when you get into the root words of the Latin from which our word, most of our words come. To muse, M-U-S-E, to muse is to think. And the letter A, as a prefix in Latin, is a negation. And so to be amused is literally to not think, to not be thinking. That's why we have amusement parks. You go to Carowinds or Six Flags, you go to Disney World and amusement park. Why? To not think. We don't want to think right now. And so it is enough time in an adult male's week to spend an hour on a video game or less or on a, on a TV show watching an old episode of The Office like I might do from time to time, that's enough time. And on the weekends, maybe feel a little bit more liberty to do some amusing things. But I know this. I I just don't want to measure my life and think, man, you spent 25% of your waking hours being amused, not thinking. And so I saw that story. And it's just a, it's just a caution. And I have a couple young guy listeners, not many, but some of them have reached out. So you guys in your early twenties and late teens that tell me you listen, I'm not straight telling you to put down your video games. I'm not doing that. But I am say, I am asking you to evaluate yourself. How much time are you giving it? Are you neglecting anything for it? Could you be making yourself a better man for giving up some of the time on those things for? for giving up some of the money you spend on those things and, and investing in yourself, your time, and your money differently? At least ask yourself those questions. And so that was one of the stories that fit into, we need to grow up. The, there should definitely not be the average age of a video game player 33. That average age should be lower because we need to grow out of those stages and phases of life into pursuing manhood, adulthood, masculinity, because those things are much more fulfilling and much more fun, I promise. They're also more challenging, but they are better. I recently said this to our college graduates up at North Greenville. I was talking to a couple of these young folks who are about to graduate college, and they were expressing their nerves about independence and being an adult. And I just told them, guys, it's way better. Like, embrace this. Embrace your independence. Embrace the responsibility that comes from it. I can't remember the philosophy. The philosopher that said this. He was an American thinker who said we had the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast, and to balance it out, we needed to put a statue of responsibility on the West Coast. And so in, in this adulthood, yes, you have all this new liberty and freedom, and so what you should embrace is the responsibility that there, there comes a lot of responsibility with freedom, and embrace that and do something with it. And so that was one. Let's, let's be a people that are, are growing up and growing out of some of these more juvenile tendencies that we have. The number two thought, I got to do quickly. Elizabeth Warren, 
has been out on the campaign trail and several other Democratic candidates trying to sell the idea of not just free college in the future, but the absolving of all student loan debt, over a trillion dollars in student loan debt out in the country. And I see people I otherwise respect and sometimes even have conservative views seemingly in support of this horrendous idea. And I want to go a little further, not just horrendous idea, but actually immoral idea. No one is forced, and this is also about growing up. So what I'm seeing there is, someone bail me out. I I did a thing that I now regret. You did it as an adult, because you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, a lot of folks, and even, or older when you're taking out student loans. And there's this idea of someone bail me out. Someone come along and save me. Someone come and rescue me from the consequences of my decisions. Where the adult thing, the grown-up thing, is to recognize I made this decision. You might have feel you might feel like you weren't well informed on it, but that is only your fault. I use myself as the example. I thought through this at 18. I knew that I had very little in terms of practical skill. But I knew that my potential was in was really in how I think and how I formulate words and thoughts, uh, and that with my lack of practical skills, what I was going to need was a four-year college degree to go make an argument to employers for me to be employed and make a living. And I knew I was going to be paying off a student loan until my early 30s. And even the way I've said it to people in the past, what I knew was I'm going to end up paying rent on my job. That's how that's going to feel. The only reason I'm going to get a good job is because I have the four-year degree, and every month for a period of time in my life, a long period, I'm going to have to pay rent on my job to, to pay off that student loan. And I don't regret it at all. And I know people go do it and they regret it, but it, is, it isn't a moral thing to say to other people, other taxpayers, to other adults, you should help me. You should pay this off. You didn't make me take it. It's not your responsibility that I took, I took this student loan. It is not an adult, mature, moral idea to ask other people to come and bail you out for something else you did. And so I saw these two stories in conjunction and recognize what we might need the most in the country, or at least it's a top three, three, four, or five thing, is a call for everybody to grow up and embrace the responsibility of being an independent adult. When we come back, I want to talk about the Georgia heartbeat bill that bans abortions after heartbeat can be detected. We will do that and do a ton more when we come back for the remainder of the Corey Act Show. If you pay attention to mainstream news, it is as if Georgia and this heartbeat bill has taken us back to a time in human history that is just patriarchal and totally oppressive to all people. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, would you do me a favor? Would you go to Instagram and sign up for an account if you don't already have one? Get on Instagram if you're already on Facebook, like most of the planet is. You can find me there, Instagram or Twitter. Follow along. I'm doing a lot on Instagram now and and on a lot of the different parts of life too. So come along on Instagram. would love to have you there. And as I say now, I picked up a new catchphrase every time you share my podcast with someone else or share it on social media, an angel gets his wings, despite the fact that angels don't actually have wings. So do that for me. It would be highly appreciated wherever you're listening. I do mean that on WLFJ 92.9 FM or over on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, 
I'm grateful for it. And if you would be so kind to share the show with others, I would be even more grateful. So here you go. In Georgia, the governor there recently signed a bill that bans abortion after a heartbeat can be detected. Depending on who I've, I mean, I've heard from several different sources. I've heard it as late as 10 weeks, as early as six weeks. And so, like, for example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that leading light of thought in American politics, she called it a backdoor ban because six weeks pregnant, for, for a lot of women, they don't even know that they're pregnant six weeks into that pregnancy. And I would even say to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that's not a backdoor ban. That's a front-door ban. Like, that's, yeah. Without straight up saying we ban abortion, what we're saying is we ban basically every abortion that is happening right now because I would I would imagine, except for probably the morning after pills, most abortions happen after you can, the uh, maybe all abortions happen after you can detect a heartbeat. So that is the fact of the case. And then there were there there was the reactions. So the folks out in Hollywood have decided not to make movies in Georgia anymore, which actually is kind of a it's kind of a big deal for that state. A lot of folks don't know. California is where most most movies, TV shows get made, but Georgia is number two for the uh, for, for example, like Walking Dead was made there. I believe most of the Hunger Games movies were made there. Georgia years ago went about setting up laws that made making movie and t- movies and TV uh, advantageous in Georgia in terms of the tax atmosphere. Like, they were attracting production. I think Louisiana did the same thing. Funny little story here as well, like taxes and how this stuff works. When Louisiana adopted the same laws as Georgia to make it monetarily advantageous to make TV shows and movies, that's how Duck Dynasty was born. One of the cable channels, I think it was A&E, or maybe just one of the production companies, they sent a, a team of, of several dozen people to Louisiana and just said, find something to make. I mean, if we can go down there and operate tax-free, basically, let's just find something to make in Louisiana. And so as they went around Louisiana, they found that family, the Robertson family, and that gigantic TV show was born out of only that. Louisiana passed laws that encouraged people to make TV and, and movies in their state. One production company just went out to find something. I don't care what it is. Let's make something in Louisiana because the atmosphere is so good in terms of taxes, and that's how we got Duck Dynasty. In any event, three major Hollywood studios say they're not going to work in Georgia anymore. Democrats go nuts, again, as if, I don't know, we've gone back to some kind of dark ages. That's been the reaction, and then I think the proper reaction on the right has been a great deal of celebration. This is objectively, morally, a good thing. It is good when we stop killing that which is in the womb. I would actually say the reaction from pro-lifers has been too muted. It has been the case on my side of the abortion debate and generally in politics that folks who tend to vote Republican or vote conservative, that one of their big pet peeves that they will they'll throw at the Republican Party is, well, we keep electing you and you guys haven't done anything about abortion. All right, everybody. You're getting a big deal out of Georgia here. It's essentially a ban on abortion. Without the language, but that is the, that's the effect, the secondary effect of the law will be to basically ban all abortions in Georgia. Those women can go across the, the border right into South Carolina or down into Florida. Like That can happen, but the way that law is written, you're getting an abortion ban in, 
one of the more populous states in the country. Moreover, knowing that that law is going to be challenged in court, and after the courts have been remade, I think I talked about on the show last, uh, that might have been on South Carolina Connections over on the Palmetto Family Podcast Network. I recently talked about how the Trump administration just got its 100th judge confirmed. It's actually 102 now. So the judiciary has been remade probably with more with justices that recognize that what's in the womb is deserving of the protections of the Constitution, that this is a human being deserving of the same protections that we all we all have living outside the womb. And so you're going to get court challenges that might end up dismantling a lot of federal regulation, or at least federal libertinism when it comes to abortion. So this is a good thing. And the, re- and the reaction on the pro-life side has been a little bit too muted for my liking. Third thought here on the Georgia abortion bill. This is... Let me try to make the argument with a, with a different tone than I usually use. The consequence of this bill is that more babies will be born. Just dwell on that fact for a minute. The folks that are freaking out about the bill, I would love to ask one of them. The ultimate consequence of this bill, there will be women who go get abortions other places, that's true. But the fact is, the end consequence is there will be more people on this planet. More babies will be born in Georgia than otherwise would have been born in Georgia. And even further, if you take that down the, the road a little bit, let's take it, this, this uh, ban doesn't actually go into place until 2020. So let's go to 2030. There's some 10-year-old in that state that if, the, if this heartbeat bill wouldn't have been passed, would have been aborted. Would you say to that 10-year-old, you shouldn't be here. You should not exist. Your mom wanted to, to murder you in the womb, wanted to kill you in the womb, snuff your life out, but this bill that these patriarchal sexists passed, it's, it's the reason you're alive and you shouldn't be alive. When you get into the practicality of the consequence of this legislation, the practical consequence is there's going to be more people. And that's good. We like human life. We embrace human life. It's objectively a good thing. And when you have a political position where the natural consequence is fewer human lives, you should reevaluate your position. I could continue on on that, but I won't, got so much to do on the show. I want to give you a related story because we need to keep moving forward. You probably heard about this. There was a state representative in Pennsylvania. He represents the southeastern part of Philadelphia who went live or took a video of himself. I think it was a Facebook Live. And then he put it out on Twitter. He was very proud of himself. Uh, he's definitely feeling different, differently about that now, now that there's been some consequences to his actions. I'm going to play for you a clip of it, but in case you have not heard, let me give you the facts of the case. He is a, I think he's a demonically evil person. Genuinely, I think there is something demonic happening with Brian Sims. He t- t- takes a video of him absolutely harassing an elderly lady, which is a good look, man. Brian Sims is a guy a little bit bigger than I am, 
and he's a he's a young guy, probably a smidge older than I am, but he he looks healthy. He's a thick dude, kind of muscular, and he's out intimidating, screaming and yelling at an elderly lady. Let me tell you something, Brian. Under no circumstance are you going to look good in that scenario. And then also in the video, he is intimidating and harassing teenage girls. Again, bri-bri. Let me give you a hint in life. If you're going to bully people, one group not to bully is elderly ladies and teenage girls. It's not a good look for a strapping young man like yourself. And the scenario in which he did this is there was an older lady praying quietly outside of a Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia, and so he goes and puts his phone in her face, wants to get her face on camera. There was a group of teenage girls quietly praying outside of a Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia, and he saw, he decides to put his his phone in their face and say to anyone listening to him, he's, again, he's a state representative. He's supposed to be a representative of the government. He has legislative power, and he says to the internet, if any of you could find the identities of these girls, I'll give you $100. Because what's he want? That's in the internet, by the way. That's called doxing, getting, getting doxed, where people who would rather be anonymous, you try to make them famous on the internet, you put their address out there and their phone number, because you know the crazy people on Twitter will harass them. And so Brian Sims, this radical, and I th- again, I think genuinely demonically influenced state rep, goes after an old lady and three teenage girls because the sacrament of secular humanism, they have two sacraments, one of them is abortion, so the same way that we say in Christianity, our sacraments are the Lord's table, so that's the the body and blood of the Lord, Uh, we call that communion, and then baptism, these are sacraments, the sacraments of, of secular humanism, the religion that is secular humanism, is abortion and I used to say gay marriage, but I really think it's just sexual liberation. The the two things that you you got to do and you have to defend that's part of the dogma of their religion is abortion and total sexual uh, liberation. And so what he's doing here is what he would accuse a lot of religious people of doing. He is calling out the heretics. They are heretics. They're not following his religion, and so he gets to treat them however he wants. Uh, the The video is eight minutes. I still haven't watched the whole thing because... I'm a well-tempered person, but I was not holding my temper all that well in place when I was watching the video. I'm going to play for you a fairly short clip of it. This is Representative Brian Sims being an absolute pile of human refuse. Hi, everyone. Uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I'm once again out in front of Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, It's not only in my district. It's the most heavily protested Planned Parenthood, I I believe, in the country, and today's protester. Now, she is an old white lady who's going to try to avoid showing you her face. Um, but the same laws, and luckily, that protect... She's trying to walk away, and he's chasing her right now. By the way, a little out of breath, Brian. Maybe a little more cardio at the gym. That protect her from being out here also protect me from showing you who she is. And so my hope is, is that you'll donate $100 for every extra hour that this woman is out here telling people what's right for their bodies. Under no circumstances is she doing that. She's quietly praying by herself, and you're harassing her because you're a bully. So I have a couple questions for you, ma'am. How, how many children have you clothed today? This is an utterly irrelevant question, and she didn't ask. For, how is this not sexism? How is this not part of the Me Too movement where we got a guy intimidating an older lady on the street with this irrelevant question, how many kids have you clothed today? Why is that relevant at all? 
And how do you know she's not done some kind of good works? It's not, it's not relevant at all. It is as if, unless you've clothed all the kids, you can't oppose murder. I'm sorry, I missed your answer. How many children have you clothed today? She doesn't have to give you an answer. You can't demand things of her. You're not God, Brian. Today, how about how many children have you put shoes on their feet today? Have you fed any children today? Or have you just stood out in front of a Planned Parenthood shaming people for something that they have a constitutional right to do? Huh? huh? He's, I mean, he is all up in her business. I tell you this. If I'm a man on the street watching that, that's not happening much longer. And Brian Sims might look a little athletic, but it's obvious he's not much of a man because the victim he chose to bully, he chose teenage girls and old ladies because that's the kind of, quote, man he is. If you're here about the children, you can pray at home for children. It's probably the same place that you could feed a child, but you're not. Instead, you're out here shaming people for something that they have a constitutional right to do. Who would have thought that an old white lady would be out in front of a Planned Parenthood telling people what's right for their bodies. Shame on you. So he was very upset with her shaming others, and then he gives her, gives her the shame on you. Because again, he's a part of a religion. He has a dogma. It's called secular humanism, and she's a heretic. She's a heretic of his religion. So this, he's every bit the thing that he hates. He hates Christians. He hates Christianity, likely because he views them as dogmatic. You're just as dogmatic in your religion. She opposes the sacrament of your religion, and so you treat her like that. I, mm, I'm, a, I'm just trying not to be too much of a jerk here, but I wish he'd do that to me. I, I wish he would do that to any actual man. It says something about him. It says something about Brian Sims that he chose to go get in the face of an older lady and teenage girls because he's not a man. He's a coward. What else is there to call that? Brian Sims is a coward. He has his virtue and all of his righteousness and his self-righteousness and his self-assurity that what he believes is right. And he goes and imposes that on people that didn't bother him, didn't do anything to him. He went and picked a fight because he thought, one, it's a fight he could win. There, there was no... I, I am a little surprised no feminist has come up and said, hey man, this is actually the stuff that we're asking men not to do. Using their size and their strength advantage to intimidate women on the street. This is the behavior we don't want you to take part in. He put out a non-apology apology on Twitter. He never actually said the word sorry, uh, but he, it, was, it wasn't much of an apology. He, he barely re- expressed any regret at all. And then uh, good news was Matt Walsh. I love Matt Walsh. I wish he would come out of his false religion and come into the real one, but I love Matt Walsh anyway. And he he organized, and some people around Matt Walsh organized a great rally. Uh, Over 1,000 people showed up on that Friday, and they invited Brian Sims. But, of course, Brian Sims didn't come because Brian Sims, again, is a coward. Brian Sims wouldn't show up to face off with Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is 6 foot 180. I'm not saying the guy, I mean, he's got a beard. It's an epic beard, so maybe he's got some power in it. But Matt Walsh isn't even all that intimidating of a guy. But Brian Sims wouldn't show up to talk to anybody because he's only brave enough to interact with old ladies and children. Now, this connects back to my first theme. I said if there was a theme on the show today, it was we all need to grow up. Brian Sims needs to grow up. 
that behavior that you just heard from him, that is the behavior of a very immature person. You know what it sounded like a little to me? It sounded like me at 18, 19, or 20. Now, I would have never treated a, a woman like that. Maybe it's the Southern in me. I'm never going to be getting in the face of teenage girls. But the, the confidence with which he expressed his opinion. like this, What he has there is, again, dogma. He knows something deep in him. There's the surety. I'm right. I'm the good one. They're evil. They're the demons. I'm the, I'm the fighter for all that is right and good. And he expresses that to these ladies and how he treats them. Well, here's the way to grow up. Here's the way to some maturity. In every interaction, recognize there's some chance I could be wrong. And those people right there are humans. And I do want to interact with them on this, but I'm going to interact with them in a way that we're going to treat them like a human. I'm not going to treat them like an animal. I'm not going to treat them like a subject of my, of, of my content for my, my social media feed. I'm actually going to treat them like an adult and a person. That's the way in which he needs to grow up and we all need to grow up. No person that disagrees with you loses their personhood, loses their humanity. And so as we interact with those who disagree with us, let us grow up and treat everyone with respect and dignity no matter their perspective. When we come back, I want to talk about tariffs and a couple things happening with the federal government and the administration. We'll do that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the final segment of the Corey Truax Show. Glad you stuck with us here until the end. We're going to get to sports in just a bit, but first, I think three stories. Three is what we'll do before we move on to sports. First, I told you at the top of the show that one of my notes for the show was, this Chick-fil-A stuff sure is weird, or something like that. And I saw two stories. Let me give you the headlines. One from the College Fix, faculty votes to remove Chick-fil-A from campus after 25 years. Another headline, Trinity University students want Chick-fil-A ousted. Both of these stories are essentially the same thing. The first one about Chick-fil-A getting uh, kicked off of campus after 25 years was in California of the public colleges, the public university. Uh, I can't remember the actual name of a uh, uh, Cal Poly. That's I can't even name that college. California Polytechnic San Luis Osby. I can't say it. Sorry, guys. But that's a, it's a college with a long, big name. And they want Chick-fil-A, after 25 years, to get off of its campus, Trinity University, which by its name, you would expect to be have some kind of Christian background. They wanted to fo- they're in San Antonio. They wanted to follow the county council, city council there of San Antonio in trying to ban Chick-fil-A off of their campus. And this is weird. It's just weird behavior. Chick-fil-A has a founder, Dan Caffey, who believes and has articulated that he believes in marriage as we thought about it literally for all of human history until the equivalent of basically 20 minutes ago. It's been in my own lifetime, I'm not that old, that anyone has thought, you know what we should do. We should change the fundamental relationship of human existence, the relationship between men and women. And we should, because we just like it, and we just think it's cute and adorable, and we want everyone to feel included. We want marriage to mean anything we want it to mean. So Dan Cathy expresses an opinion that Barack Obama held until 2012. He said it in one interview, 
and out of nowhere, he's the founder and owner. He doesn't even do anything with Chick-fil-A anymore. We have to oppose the actual business Chick-fil-A because the owner believes something that everyone believed a few years ago. It is the case. I mean, we've seen their articles. I've seen them written. There are gay people who work at Chick-fil-A's. That's real. Mayor Pete Buttigieg said an actual rational thing when he started running for president. He says, I, yeah, I'll go to Chick-fil-A. Their chicken is good. Because you know who, who doesn't... Like, the, the business isn't the owner. Moreover, why do you have to agree with everything the business you go to uh, with their owner's belief? I'm sure I don't believe much of anything that the folks that I shop with... Like, I shop a lot with Amazon, Walmart... Uh, GNC, Vitamin Shop. I'm sure there's lots of people at those those things I don't agree with. Why do you have to agree with the ownership of the place where you get food? And all the while, Chick-fil-A has become the third largest fast food place in the in the country. It's just, it's a weird obsession to me. that It's not even like responsive anymore. It's now proactive. It's like a proactive thing to do to signal your virtue to a secular humanist world. You need people to know, I don't like Chick-fil-A. All right, well, feel proud about yourself or whatever, but that's a weird obsession that folks on the left have with this chicken restaurant when an owner said one thing in 2013. All right, I got to move on. Uh, So that was one. Uh, Two, the White House has put out a rule, looks like by this summer, that in TV advertisements for prescription drugs... That the if anything if it's a drug that costs more than thirty five dollars to get a standard prescription, the drug company is going to have to say that out loud. Like they have to put it on the screen. They're going to have to specify in their advertisement how much the drug costs. Now I am against really all regulation. I don't like this. That feels like compelled speech. I don't like the idea of government telling what a company what has to do in its advertisement. However, while I do oppose this policy, I like the heart of it. One of our main problems in healthcare is that no one knows what anything costs. It's one of the reasons I love my doctor. If you're down in Anderson, you're in Oconee County, maybe certain parts of Pickens County, it's worth getting down there. They're called Ready Care with Dr. Shane Purcell. They have a great practice down in Anderson. Or they're just really transparent. Like they literally have a price board. Like you can go on their website and see what stuff costs. There's no mystery around it. You just go go in, and you know, oh, this thing that I want to do, this that's how much it costs here. The same way that you buy literally everything else. The same way you buy your cable provider, your internet provider. When you go into stores, you go into restaurants, when you go to buy a phone, like the, there's prices everywhere except in medicine. We have no idea what anything costs. And it's one of the reasons everything costs so much, because no one actually knows what anything costs. The price is whatever the insurance company negotiated with the hospital and how they negotiated with the regulators. It could be a different cost for different things for different people. Like, it's, it's an insane system. And one of the ways to make it better would be to make it more transparent on price, where you have to say your prices out loud. And so I don't like the regulation, but the heart behind it I do get. It actually would help if we made clear what the actual cost of drugs are and uh, maybe it helps a little, but uh, there you go. That's one story. And then one that got, got me mad. I follow the, the stock market. I, I invest a little bit on my own. Of course, I have my own 
retirement funds that I don't touch that, you know, the professionals have put together for me, but I do my own investing just for the fun of it on an app called Robinhood. And last week was terrible. And it was terrible because the president of the United States can't shut up on Twitter. He, his, his Twitter in regards to China were baffling. Like he tweeted that there was no rush on getting this China deal figured out. The market starts tanking. He deletes the tweet and then he, retweets the same thing with a little bit different language. Like there's there's no I no idea no one has any idea what actually to believe about what's happening with negotiations in China because the president is being weird is uh, about what he's announcing. And he, he we do have a now 25% tariff on 250 billion dollars of goods coming into the country. That's a tax that we're going to pay. It hurts the consumer, it hurts the taxpayer. This is bad policy even if he's just using it as a a negotiating tactic? It's not good. Taxes aren't good. I thought that was a thing. We don't like taxes. But uh, it, so it, it did two things. Raises taxes on the American people. And second, it causes the market to freak out. So stop it. That's my word to the president. Stop it with the tariffs and stop freaking everybody out on Twitter by talking about the deals with China when they have not been finalized. Just be quiet until we get it figured out. All right. That's all the serious stuff we can do for the week. Let's move on to sports. We will finish up on the Corey Truax Show doing our, not weekly anymore, it's weekly during football season. And then it's every now and then when it's not football season, we're going to do our sports segment. We're doing it with Heath Powell, our sports correspondent. Hi, friend. Hello. Welcome back. Here's where I want to start. To the dead days of summer. Yes, what it's sport. <laughs> it is, man, for sports. Well, I mean, there's still basketball, but it's almost over. Yes, we have about a month left. You know, it's bad when there's nothing to do except watch the recruiting <laughs> services and see who's signing where. Well, I mean, I enjoy that anyway, but that's just how bored we are. With, with sports, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, w- I really wish I could get into hockey. I I mean, it feels like there would be some entertainment there. I just yeah, have trouble. Yeah, hockey is awesome. You watch these, the Stanley Cup Yeah, yeah I playoffs? always watch the playoffs. Okay. Now, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't follow it during the regular season because I have other things to do. Yes. Like, you know, sports-wise. Yes. But, yes, I do watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, I think I've watched some of the finals, uh, like the actual whoever whoever's in the finals when they come. Uh-huh. But it happens when the NBA playoffs are on. So, if I'm going to pick one or the other, right. I'm going to pick the NBA yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I always default to... You know, football, basketball. But speaking of the NBA playoffs, us being Warriors fans in this this season of the Warriors, where they are right now, yep. the Game Six win over the Rockets with Kevin Durant not playing, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to see anybody hurt. This is the best thing that could happen to the Warriors mm-hmm. because pre KD, this is what the Warriors looked like. Yes, Steph is dominant. Clay can shoot. I mean, you know. Draymond Green, all the all the role players are, are – I mean, look at Kevon Looney. What do you have, like 15 points? Yeah, it was great. Like 10 rebounds? I, I mean, I like him anyway. Iguodala like, had a great game. Yeah, Iguodala. So, you know, when KD showed up, they just kind of isolate KD, give him the ball, and everybody stands around and watches him do what he does. And he's incredible. Oh, he's great at KD, what he does. That's right, yeah. But I love we loved the Warriors because it felt like a new kind of basketball. Yeah. Because it was, they moved the ball differently when KD wasn't on the floor. Well, that's why I like the Warriors back in the early 90s when they had Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway and they had right. Latrell Sprewell. I, I remember now, that. Latrell Sprewell did what he did, but, I mean, he was fun to watch. Those were, They yeah. were fun to watch, man. This was also, for me, part of the uh, solidifying the Steph Curry legacy. Because yep. I heard some rumblings out there of, well, you know, he, he KD came along and really made, made them dominant. Yep. Just to remind everybody, 
Steph Curry didn't need him. No, he didn't. To do to have the career he's had. I do think that KD coming did hurt Steph a little bit because Steph didn't have to be dominant. Right. Um, even in even this series against the Warriors, I mean the Rockets, Rockets. I mean he was missing layups. He was shooting the ball horribly. I've never yeah. seen him shoot this bad. He did have a stretch a couple of years ago where he was in a slump, but you know KD bails him out, so he's just not he's not pressing like he normally was. Yeah, and you have this final game here where Steph has a thirty three point second half. second half. Yeah, and you remind you, oh, this guy was oh this guy's a two time MVP too. Yeah, and he deserved that. That's right. And it felt like. Kevin Durant coming along was hurting his legacy a little bit. And I didn't like it. Yep. I didn't like what was happening. Right. Those kind of games remind the world. Steph Curry is one of the best basketball players ever. Oh, he is. He he may be the best pure shooter in NBA history. Now, there's Reggie Miller. There's Ray Allen. I get it. Yeah, sure. Even Del Curry they're was great. great. Yeah, they're great. But this guy's something different. He When some people come along, they change the game. And he did. Yeah, he, he changed the philosophy of NBA basketball. Where you actually, I actually saw uh, Mike D'Antoni, the coach of the Rockets. Uh, Capella, the center for the yep. Rockets, what did not close out on Steph like 28 feet <laughs> yeah. from the basket. Used to You're asking a seven-footer to close yeah. that on a 30-foot guy. And I would actually used to coach. Don't you ever play defense 28 feet from the basket? No, you stay in the paint. Exactly. If they drive, then you block them. And now they're actually yelling at people for not closing him out 28 yeah, well, feet away. I'm, not only did he change the philosophy, but there's no, there are no more ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. No. When you have 6'10 point guards, yes. Ben Simmons is it's basically yeah. seven feet playing the point guard. Yes. You've got seven foot three guys shooting the three. I think they should widen the court, move the three-pointer line back. That's I agree. what I think they should do. Yeah, I'm actually ready to change basketball uh, in that way. Yeah. Give them Plus more space every, to operate. I mean, everybody's bigger, faster, stronger than they were 100 years ago when yeah. the dimensions were figured out. When we went to see the ACC tournament in Charlotte, yeah. it, it occurred to me just watching those guys who were not even that – athletic level of the NBA. Right. There's not enough space on the floor for these guys. No. They're, they're all too big and it's fast. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It needs to get better space. It needs to be wider and longer. Um, also in the NBA playoffs, I think I have a new favorite player. This Giannis guy from Milwaukee. I never really watched him play to the playoffs. No. Remember, we, we talked about him You we have maybe a couple years ago and I was like, dude, Giannis Antetokounmpo is awesome. I have not paid enough attention to him. But I mean, he's in Milwaukee. That's kind of like That's having D-Wade at Marquette. We, yeah. They're just not on our radar very much. Yes. I love him because he does everything. Like, he's a great rim protector. He's a rebounder. He can shoot. He can drive. He can run. He can dribble. He's yeah. incredible. Like, he's awesome. I, we were talking <laughs> that either him or Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA right now. Yep. But with Giannis, he's a better defender, better rebounder. I think he's a better teammate. And he's much younger. Oh, that too. Yeah, if Giannis is not the dom- – we talked about this – the dominant player in the NBA within three to five years, I- I'll give you five bucks. I know. Yeah, this is – I think you can make a case that KD probably is right now. Yeah, I agree. But Giannis is – you know, has more years to go. Plus, I think he has a higher ceiling. If you can say that about somebody like Katie, and I, I want, I, I really want him to stay in that market. I yeah, think, he's I think all, it would be I hope fun. He stays there. Yeah, these these big stars end up running off because the bigger the markets. Because the three big men they have, uh, the shooters that they have in Milwaukee, they're really fun to watch. Like I've enjoyed watching them. I remember a couple of years ago, I was saying Anthony Davis is going to be the next big thing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. It wasn't Anthony Davis. Right. It is Giannis. It's Giannis. However you say his name. Then, thank you, sir. <laughs> Speaking of weird names, final uh, final topic for today. Yep. The Clemson Tigers continue to roll on with the best quarterbacks Ooh. with this new guy, DJ something or other. Ui Anga Lale. Thank you. Ui Anga Lale. But it's not just quarterbacks. Oh, that's they, true. They also signed Brian Breesey, Fred Davis, and Demarcus Bowman, all five stars. Now, Bowman is the running back. Yep. To Fred Davis is from Florida. 18. I think okay. he's a safety. Uh, Breesy's on the line. He was the number one player in the country. Overall, yeah. yeah. And that goes on top of – well, 
yes, all of these incredible talents. But this quarterback thing, that is yeah, rare. Yeah, no, that is very rare. To have this, to have, so we go, uh, the, the Tigers go from Taj Boyd. They have one down year with whatever his name was, Colt. Colt. Colt Stout. Stout. Thank you. Cole, Cole Stout. That was terrible. <laughs> you already forgot his name. I did. Well, you, I know you're trying to. it out. Yeah, I know. Um, and then <laughs> Deshaun Watson to then, the, the, I think, an NFL stud in Trevor Lawrence to now this DJ. Yeah. Unga. Uwe. Uwe. Unga. Unga. Lale. Lale. Good. I mean, it's it's an inc- <laughs> uh, I don't know who the quarterback coach is or the, the quarterback. That guy. Yeah. He's probably the most underrated coach in the country. Look, people just want to come play for these guys. It's incredible, but that's why nobody's none of the coaches have left Clemson. Yeah, like why? Why would you want to do that? It is one of those things I want there to eventually be a thirty for thirty on. Yep. This this a chapter in this tiny little town in South Carolina of a once program that I guess had some glory days, but was kind of forgotten for... for Let's be honest. They were pretty good in the very early uh, 80s. Won a national championship, but I think a lot of that was, you know, here's $100 for your mom, that kind of stuff. Because back then, nobody gave a rip Nobody cared, yeah. Um, You know, they were battling Georgia all the time. And it was, you know, very run-heavy, just like college was back then. But, yeah, I mean, they had probably three or four years where they were relevant, and then, honestly, after that, they just weren't. And now to be getting players out of Florida and Ohio and Alabama, and does not this DJ guy come from the and West Coast? New, yeah, he's from Bosco. That's in high Cal- school in California. in California. Yeah, to come to South Carolina. But to Joseph play. and Gata came from Folsom, California, California. The wide receiver. This is like they are nationally yes relevant, and I know people say yeah because they won national. Yeah, I get it, but they have a lot of exposure. Dabo's everywhere. He's at baseball games yeah. and basketball games. He's hanging out with. Drake, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know he's hanging out with him. He yeah. took a picture with him, which place. I thought was funny. Anyway. Yeah, it was. But, you know, this stuff is on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. People Out- notice. Outside of fandom, this just feels like a story that deserves a book or a documentary. Like, how do you take yep. this tiny little Death Valley yep. and turn it into what you've turned it into? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. In 20, 30 years, there's going to be some kind of a 30 for 30 type program. It's got to. A book, yeah. some kind of memoir. It's going to be awesome. All right, we've run out of time. Thanks for coming in and talking sports. I appreciate it. Find the show everywhere on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, share it with others if you would be so kind. We'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.